Aboard the Orbital Sword. I'm David Moulton. I'm Scott Herzog. And I'm Jim Arrowwood. And on this episode, we're reviewing Queen of Shadows by Sarah J. Moss, book four in the Throne of Glass series. Yes. Oh, man, what a book. This, this, the, the brief summary. <laughs> it's hard. It's a, <laughs> Good luck. You have two, yeah. you have you have two to three sentences, David, on this sheet, and I'm holding you to it. Okay. All right. All right. Um, <laughs> uh, Aelin comes back to the king's land, and the Vog are have taken over. And Aelin and her crew, including Rowan and, uh, shoot, what's the, and the guy's name, the other guy, and Kale, they team Adian? up. Adian. Yeah. Rowan and Adian are there and they help her take back the city. Gosh, two to three sentences. <laughs> I know. There's hey, so much. You could just say, <laughs> that was and, so- and they help him take down the king. Got it. Yeah. 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 Done. Okay. Yeah. Adian returns. The Vogue have taken over, and Rowan and Adian, uh, I'm sorry, Alien, whatever, you guys get it. I can't talk. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, right. Great start to a show. Right, right, right. And we're done. Well, okay. Join us next time. (laughs) On board the, uh, so, you know, obviously, we're having trouble capturing it in just a few short thoughts. Um, We'll get into the nitty gritty of what made this book really work for us. Because I think that in general we really enjoyed this book. Um, but let's let's get some overall thoughts and impressions. Having walked through this book, we're now in book four of the series that we've been reading through. Uh, each one kind of upping the ante a little bit, um, yeah, and developing a, to, to a new level. And we have new characters. We're kind of following. Uh, some interesting things that have been happening uh, in this book. Um, David, let's start with you. What was your impression? What did you? F- how did you feel about this book? I mean, you're the rascal that got us into this series. How do you feel about <laughs> the series in uh, book f- book four now? Book four, man. I really this. I, I think this might be my favorite one of of the ones that we've read so far. Um, he said that about the last book, by the way. Did I really? No. <laughs> yeah, well, I, prob- I probably did. It, it, it really had, like, everything I was looking for. You know, I know that the other ones I had, you know, being the rant master, I had things that I was, like, pulling it apart. It was too much of this or it was too little of that. But I really feel like the author was able to just run. If she had set everything up, she could really just run. She didn't have to spend a lot of time introducing concepts, um, you know, we were able to just be and live and breathe in this world. 
and there was conclusion to things that seemed like they like some writers might have just kept running forever um there was also tension that i wasn't expecting um because i don't know either i just missed missed innuendo or whatever but it just i i thought it was was really well done really well written um Jim mentioned something before the show. He said this was a, a good breaking point for the series, like a good, uh, you know, it, it does it cliffs hangs, of course, because the series continues. But it's also a good spot to like if you were reading these really quickly, you could take a breather. And I agree, like we have nice conclusions in this book, but not the type of conclusions that make you want to step away. Like you still want to keep reading, but sometimes you need that breath in a story, you know. To, to just be able to be like, okay, like I'm ready to keep exploring this world with these characters, but whatever comes next is going to be a little bit more new and a little bit more challenging, or, or it's not going to necessarily be the same old, same old thing. And considering I felt like two of the four books we read were very similar, um, I find that really reassuring as to what, what's going on next. So, mm. right. Well, I think one of the complaints we had with the last book, especially, is that it feels like it felt like it was a repeat of book one in some ways. Yeah, just with mm-hmm. magic. So, uh, Jim, how about you? What were you? Give what were some of your thoughts and impressions as you kind of uh, worked through book four of the series? Okay, uh, I like the book. Uh, I read it. I read it pretty quickly. Um, I don't know. I think it might have taken four days or something because. Uh, it was it was mostly just that good. I mean, it was a series of epic battles. I, and, I mean, the battle scenes were just... Oh, they were visual. They were palpable. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay? Those battles were interlaced with a series of some rather tedious uh, <laughs> interludes... <laughs> Of maneuvering <laughs> to get into place to do things and way over the top with the sexual tension. Sorry. Uh, maybe I'm just getting old, but I found myself wanting Aylin, Aylin and Roland, just get it on, will you, and get it over with. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> so we can move on. I mean, it's almost and almost and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, just knock it off. Okay. Let's just get back to the fighting. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I just, I just thought the teasing was over the top. The battles were just a huge payoff though, especially that final one. The glass castle. Oh yeah. Yeah. This is very much young adult, uh, you know, it's it's aimed at an audience and they play towards that audience and you know even from the other books this was the most of it that we've had to deal with i think and uh i don't know it it, it, it was kind of it made me feel awkward <laughs> at times but at the same point it's like ah eh, you know I, this is the genre i just have to push through it right you know for me though young adult would be like pg13 mm. This was this was more like NC seventeen or even even a, an R. This is this is this is like very much old, old, like upper teen. Yeah, you know hormones raging. Right. <laughs> like yeah. Read. Yeah, that's what it was for. Yeah. Well, uh, just wait till book five. <laughs> 
if you think boy. if you think this is bad, just wait till book five. Oh joy. The waiting is over, Jim. The waiting is over. Oh, thanks for the spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't spoil anything. But thanks for yeah. the spoilers. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, so my thoughts of this book, you know, this number one, I cannot the way Sarah J. Moss writes her battle scenes, there are and the way she describes them. I'm like I'm out running, you know, because I run, you know, doing up my, you know, regular three, four mile loop. And I'm listening to the book and I'm screaming at the action as I'm running. Uh, Okay. Depending what's happening, there's occasional F-bombs being dropped. And I'm just like, seriously, like, so, I mean, the book has engaged me in such a way to evoke a reaction to what's going on. And, (laughs) And that says, that says something to the way how well written the book is to draw me into that sort of response. Um, You know, or when stuff's being described and I'm cringing at it. Uh, And she just does such a wonderful job of writing and drawing us in. Uh, I I love the fact you you, you bring everyone in and now she, A, she no longer has her magic and, and the whole struggle with that. And it's not just her, but... Rowan and then Lorcan, you bring in that these magic wielders in, they're now without their magic. Um and uh and it's it's just it's 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 really it's really a it's fascinating tale and I was engaged. Um we get we get we get some um we get backstory to her being an assassin. Um, yeah. and like there's just some there's some incredibly rich deep background stuff to characters i feel like do you you remember was it book four or five when we were reading through the expanse series and we got to suddenly we got all this backstory to amos to alex they were back in mars back in earth this is the way i feel about this book we're getting all this backstory to our main character that we didn't get in the first three books has been only hinted at suddenly the veil's pulled back and we're like oh this is why she's this way you know Mm-hmm. So I just I I really really enjoyed Queen of Shadows of the book, and uh, uh, every book I enjoyed reading every book, but it seems like everyone seems to outdo seems seemingly outdoes itself a little bit. No, just like David said, it raises the bar each time. Right, right, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So those are my thoughts of the book. I you know I I I, I thoroughly enjoyed this book, and and I've enjoyed I've been. I'm rereading. I'm rereading book three right now with my son, and um, we're just introduced to Manon Blackbeak, and I'm thinking, "Oh, buddy, you don't know what's coming down the pike." So. Oh boy, <laughs> we just <laughs> we just talked about. <laughs> Jim thought this was like rated R material. How are you going to handle this with there your boy? There <laughs> he, are. He's aware. There are some parts we've skipped, like when Kale and when Kale and um, Serena are in bed, like totally skip that part hmm. so like we just i just skip over it i just said buddy this is uh something that's too adult for you and he understands he just it's, likes uh, he likes the book he likes the book that much it doesn't bother princess bride uh, style yeah i don't want the kissing <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah it's a little bit more than kissing they're doing david oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 so you know let's let's go ahead and talk about some of the characters in this book and probably reveal some of the story as we go along yeah 
um, kind of divided them into three parts. Uh, we have the Aelin people, we have the Manon people, and then there's Dorian and his father by extension. So, uh, what do y'all, what, what do you guys think of, uh, Aelin? Has she matured? Has she grown up any? Is she still kind of a kid? Yeah, I he, I thought she seemed she kind of reverted back a little bit. It took in in a, in a in a good way to the character that she had been in a pre, in previous books. I think that right in the in the fourth one, she kind of had gotten away from you know when they were exploring her face side, she got away from that kind of cocky assassin girl. Right. And, yeah, the Selena Selena character. Right. And bringing her back into this and taking away the magic like she be, really became in this book a mixture of the two versions of herself. Even right. though she spent most of her time in the you know, she spent her time in the human form, but she had to like it was really a mixture of the two of the two sides. Um Yeah, I I really I really liked liked her character uh the growth in that area i i think that it's funny because you know you see she seems kind of like bratty and kind of even a little stuck up in some part ports but then when the push came to shove like even the other characters noted it she barks like she just rises to the occasion in the queen as the queen and and it's like you kind of think of her to, to be like oh what should i do but instead she's like no, this is what we're going to do. You're going to do this. I'm going to do that. Let's go. Now's the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she listens. She listens to Rowan and Adian, but she's already got an idea in her mind what she, what she wants to accomplish and how to get there. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that really impressed me about her. And I think it began to really manifest itself in this book is it's kind of like, it's like she has plots of there, there's 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 layers upon layers of stuff that she puts into motion that she has thought way out in the future about, and, mm-hmm. and you and, yeah. and like I think when she trashes that tavern brawling area, right? Um, like she did that to kind of set the in motion like events that carry us near the end of the book, um, and. And it's just a, it's just a, um, it's just fascinating. Like she's really thinking ahead and she is that much experience from when she was functioning as an, an assassin. That was for who? For, that was Arabin, right? Hamel? Yeah. Yeah. Like when she was working for him, like she has set so much. There's so many people that owe her. There's so many things in like, and she, and you just, wow. I mean, there's just so many things that is set into motion that, she just is constantly building, and we don't we see it happen, but then we don't realize the impact of like chapters down the road. And uh, mm-hmm. I just found, like, as an author, like I'm thinking like like how much Sarah really thought through how these plots were going to work themselves out, and I just amazed at the way the character is written. Yeah, yeah it's really complex. Because yeah. they really do make it feel like she's doing, like, even the mental, like, dialogue that she gives the character really makes it seem like she's doing things just to be rebellious or selfish. Like, right. 
the the sneaking out, just like oh, she's it's all in her her mental dialogue is all complaining about how she's she's so upset that they keep watching her do everything and she can never get a moment to herself and right and like and it's not till much later that you find out that she was like she yeah she snuck out and she had those thoughts but she snuck out because she was setting up this master plan oh yeah and, yeah and it, and it wasn't just her being like rebellious or going to do things because you know she was she wanted to prove that she was strong or something yeah. that i thought was really good the way that that all came back together yeah yeah then we then we have rowan and adian they're they're almost like bookends not not at the beginning of course because adian was uh he wasn't doing too well at the beginning of this book nope so okay, look, I gotta, I gotta, to to openly admit fault here, and I don't know, I don't know if I just didn't want it to happen so much that I was like denying it, but the the Rowan and Aelin thing, I remember, I remember saying in the last episode how glad I was that even though she had the basically exact same thing happen with uh, Kale, happen with Rowan. Like they were resisting it, and it was just cool to see her like have this close mentor guy thing. And in my head, I thought, oh, they were just playing it up for a love triangle, and it's not really going to be anything. And then I was talking to the person that that had asked me to read these to begin with, and I I was talking to her, and she just had this look on her face, and I was like, oh crap, I've read the <laughs> whole, th- I I've read it wrong because she's looking at me like I'm crazy and I missed something. And I was like, oh, they're going to wind up getting together. And then sure enough, that was like at the point right before, I think within a day or two, I read the chapter where where Rowan shows up and just her reaction or Aelin's reaction and stuff. And I was like, oh, ah, where where was my head? I just, I was hoping so much for her to get back with Kale. And it's just <laughs> so not going to happen. That's not where this is going at all. It's not. No. <laughs> but... But no, I, I had mentioned Adian, and not Aelin, Rowan and Adian oh, as being the warrior bookends. Oh, the, and they mm. are. They're, they are. Um, and when they encounter each other, there's kind of that little tension there. But it's. And, oh, there's a, quite a lot of tension. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's. Uh, but in the end, they're like to get they're working together here. And um, uh, it's just it's, it's just interesting. Um, yeah. What'd I, you think of that that rescue scene for Adian? He's sitting down in the dungeon. He is uh sick. He's not doing very well at all. He's basically hoping he's gonna die before they get around to executing him. Right. Um well, so I this is where we're that whole rescue scene when they uh pull him out of the castle, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's just a uh it's inter. It's interesting. We're introduced really to uh, what Nezrin, uh, Felic. At that mm-hmm. point, she's the one. She's the archer, right? Right. Right. Like, and boy, is she an archer. Like, she can pick off a flea, basically, of a dog. <laughs> it's just, and like, I found her fascinating, really fascinating. Uh, and then, of course, you see Kale's relationship with her kind of develop throughout uh, the book, um, but. It's it's just a um, the whole uh, the rescue um, to see Dorian's you know kind of be there. It, it's just 
it was it was it was a it was a unique rescue well planned it was just neat to see it happen yeah i thought it was really cool when you know of course uh Aelin looked like she was gonna she was gonna finish dorian yeah 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 he was gonna be done and she brings her sword up and then nesrin fires that arrow and knocks the sword out of the way right and it was like that's cool <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, she's still holding out at that point. You know, we don't know. Is Dor is Dorian beyond repair? Like, we don't know that. And and the characters don't know that. And, you know, is it better to, you know, end Dorian and, and finish this, you know, or to um, leave him go ahead and uh, leave this demon creature, the Vogue, take over him? And yeah. uh, in, in the end, they're able to rescue him. But it's really kind of this... Um, you know, it's just definitely a uh, it's definitely a tension. You understand kind of why the characters are acting the way they are. Mm -hmm. but. Hold on, Jim. Jim dropped out. Jim dropped out. I'm I, back. I didn't want to. I didn't want to okay. talk to Jim anyways. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, what was the last thing I said that you heard? Oh, we were just talking about the uh, the rescue and and just yeah. our thoughts about. You know, Adian Ash River and Rowan. Yeah. Okay. And whether yeah, Rowan, and we said whether Rowan was really kind of redeemable or not. Ah. Because we don't really know that when the rescue happens. We're like thinking when she's about to like kill him, you're like, well, maybe she should because. Oh, you mean Dorian? Yes. Whether he was redeemable. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I said Rowan. I meant Dorian. I thought he was a goner. I seriously thought he was a goner. Yeah, same. I, I figured it was, I don't know, the only time, I didn't start thinking that he wasn't a goner until uh, Manon and him met. And then, yeah. I, then if, I think, of course, that's when you're supposed to start wondering. But, uh, right. Yeah. Because now, even from the very beginning, they tease, I, don't say anything, Mr. Readahead, but I'm pretty sure, I feel like they're teasing a relationship between the two of them. It's actually a love triangle between the old ah. king and, and <laughs> Dorian and Manon, father, son. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. Father, no, I'm just oh, kidding. my father, gosh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But. Wow, you just went off the rails there. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only way you can cover up wanting to say something. Right, right. I right. know. It, it's it's got it's got to be hard to not let that stuff go. Well, no, you I, know, I... <laughs> To not let that go, I'd let that go. <laughs> but. To let anything go. Yeah. All right. So anyway, I was very pleased that Kale and Aelin, um, oh, not got back together, but but resolved their differences. Oh yeah, and became friends yeah. again. Yeah, absolutely. Finally, at the end. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, so, I I honestly felt like I don't know, like her reaction to everything just never made sense to me. I it just it seemed so over the top. Like with for someone who's supposed to be as smart as as Aelin is, it just I never could understand how she could see like couldn't see his point of view and how he wasn't actually responsible for for yeah. what's her face's death and that just. You know, now now that now that you mention it, I kind of agree. It just seemed like she was uh, way overboard on on being mad at people. Wait, wait, wait! 
but she is only like 19, 20 years old. Like, oh, like, like I, I see- teach, I teach, I teach seniors and I see how they react to things. And I'm <laughs> like, seriously, she's only a year or two older than this. So I mean, for, for me, this is very like the, the emotional reaction to things is very much in line with the age of the character. I keep forgetting that. And at the end of the book, Dorian's like, can't believe this would have been my only a few days after my 20th birthday. And I right. was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> exactly. Because yeah. the characters seem so much older. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> now, you know, and let's talk a little bit about the, the, what I consider one of the evil characters in the book, but he's not influenced by by outside people. He's just he's just not a good person, and that's Arrow Ben Hamill. Oh yes, mm-hmm. yes, her the, uh, her rescuer, know, master yeah. manipulator. Yeah. Well, her rescuer. He he trained her to be the assassin and all that other stuff, and then used her like nobody's business. Oh yeah. Yep. And stole the uh, third key. Mm-hmm. He didn't know what it was, though. But still. Right. He's just a master manipulator. He keeps people indentured to him, you know, like Lysandra. And and even, even like, you know, he's got debts, but then he has so much people indebted I to thought him. It, wait, wait, I thought Lysandra was in debt to a madam of some house unrelated to Erebon. Yeah, but. It, to me, it's to me. I I got the idea that he she was indebted to the other lady as a result of manipulation by him to keep her around. That's oh, maybe kind of what I yeah maybe that's kind of what that's the way that I read it. Yeah. I mean, maybe yeah. that's wrong, but now was Lysandra was she the the character that was transformed into? who she was and was looking forward to transforming back. Yeah. Yeah. So she's yeah, a, she, she's a shapeshifter. Yeah. But that girl, is, girl, sorry. That is one of the most hilarious spots in the book. When she shapeshifts or no, when she points to her boobs and says, I cannot wait to shift back to what I was so I can get rid of these. Cause that- they were throwing her off balance. So bad. <laughs> Because they hurt her, her back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I almost choked when I read that. I was laughing so hard. Yeah, yeah. You know, but I but I felt bad for her. Yeah. Well, it's kind of sad. She says she forgets. Uh, she's not even sure what she what she looks like anymore. Yeah. So. Yeah. But uh, you know. She kind of she kind of fixes up Arrowbin a little bit, doesn't she? She certainly does. <laughs> um, yeah, I think there's something brewing there too. It's just love, love, love all around. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Arrowbin, he gets his comeuppance. He does, and uh, and at the hands of Lysandra, who basically just hacks him into little pieces. and then and then the will turns up and everything's left to aelin and this is where we discover all those times like i said she was sneaking out she was doing this stuff to to set up this plot oh yeah absolutely 
to get uh, Arabin's money. Yeah, she took she she took the real will and replaced her own, uh, mm. <laughs> leaving her lock, stock, and barrel everything. But he, and what's what I thought was great about it is even with taking all of Arabin's money and stuff, you would think someone would be like, "Well, I did it. I'm done. Like, good on me. Like, we're set." Like she she had the plan that she knew that it wasn't going to hold up. That people were either going to come for them or they were going to find a loophole or something. So the first day she's already selling everything that she has back to the people that she stole it from. Yeah. House. She gives them, she gives them three hours to gather enough money together <laughs> to right. buy it out from under her. Right. Yeah. Like everything that wasn't liquid, she like made liquid or gave away so that when it, when things turned South, like that lady did with, uh, by, by turning people in or whatever, or, or was it that Arabin had like letters for people to be mailed yeah. when he was dead or whatever? Like when that stuff turned up, she'd be fine. Right. So, yeah. yeah. So we come back, we come down now to Lorcan. Oh, Lorcan Salvatari. Oh, one of the cadre of Rowan. What are Rowan's men? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it was hard to tell if he was going to help or get in the way. Yep. Wait, no. Is he is he uh Aiden, Aiden's father or is that another guy? That is another guy. Okay. But he, he realizes that it's his son. Because that's why he doesn't that's why he goes back to help them in the tower. Mm-hmm. Right. He can't be responsible of, of Aiden of Aiden dying. Right. Yeah. Well, the first thing he does in the book is he s- tries to smash Aelin's head against a wall. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's, yeah. It, it, he's fascinating because first you, when he first appears, you're like meant to kind of hate him and not like him. But, yeah. there, but like you said, there's this kernel of, there's a, there's a kernel of something in him that's more like, so he's there in this obedience to Queen Mav who's kind of said, you must, you know, da-da-da-da-da. Um, it's also, is this also, uh, he, this is also, he also gives Aelin the ring, right? That, yeah. that he slips on to Dorian, that she slips on to Dorian to help him get free of the Vogue. Um, and so, I mean, the, he does play a central part to this. Well, yeah, especially when he swoops in and saves everybody's butt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know. Rowan and uh, Rowan and Adian are trying to blow the place up, and they're being attacked by demon dogs or whatever they are. Right, and yeah. uh, they're they're right at the end of it. They're going to lose, and they have to blow this place soon, rapidly, or else uh, the whole plan is going to fall. Right, and he swoops in and saves the day. Yeah, and only because of. Adian. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Because he set the trap up for Rowan and they're both there. Right. So. Yeah. It, yeah. I, and it's a weird thing too, because he's, he's not working. I mean, he's working for the queen Maeve or whatever her name is, but he's not like, she doesn't know that he's there and she wouldn't have told him to go there, but he feels that if she gets too powerful, she'll harm herself. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. So those are 
th- those are the people. Sure. But you, we, we, you don't have anywhere here to talk about the Vogue, and this is really the first. This is really the first book that you're seeing them in action in Otterland's kingdom. Um, and they seem to be like crawling out of the woodwork. Oh, they're everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and they're grabbing people as they possibly can. And so, yeah. And now the dark part, I mean, the really, uh, none of this book was, was delightful, I would say, except towards the end. But I mean, the really dark stuff. Manon, the Blackbeak clan, and all that going on, and Duke Parrington, and oh my gosh. Oh, yes. Yeah, so let's talk about uh, Manon Blackbeak Blackbeak and that whole crew. Is that how it's pronounced, Manon? Manon, in the the audiobook, Manon, that's what they say. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, 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 she could be her own story. She's so this like her stuff is so interesting to me. It is. Uh, uh-huh. It's it's got all the deep dark fantasy like evil, but she's kind of becoming an antihero as as things go along. Uh, yeah, I I'm really enjoying the way that her story is and her her character. Uh, I don't know if softening is the right word, but her eyes being opened is going. Right. Well, I I don't know. It seems like more like our eyes are being opened instead because she just kind of, I mean, there are lots of things that happen with her and she just seems totally evil, but there are these little streaks of when things come in, like her relationship with um, Elide. Is that how it's said? Elide? I think it's Elide. Elide. Elide, yeah. And Astrin. Oh yeah, how mm-hmm. how she she demotes Astrin twice, but at the end they wind up being even closer than they were before. Right. Yeah. Well, it's part of part of it is I think the veil's being pulled back from uh, f- from Anon that, that she's just she's understanding and you know you know when she learns you know more about Astrin and and, and her heartbreak and. And then, I mean, it's just, and then obviously a lead, there's just a, there's just a, there's just a, uh, these are characters that, you know, are much bigger, mm-hmm. you know, than, than, than what we initially think they're going to be when we first encounter them. Yeah. I was scared to death for a lead all through this thing. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You she I was, was rooting for her to get away. Yep. Absolutely. And she was planning on <laughs> trying to. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> she thought she was so, like, inconspicuous, but everybody knew she was up to leaving on that, on that like, uh, the cart when it came. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. gosh. And then, and then using her to spy and, and what she saw, that, that made me cringe. Oh, yeah. When Manon sent her down into the into the basement, into the catacombs or whatever, to see what was going on down there, and the description was absolutely terrifying. There was, that was one of the that was one of the areas I was running and yelling at the book. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the 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 only other thing I can think of right now that 
probably I could I could equate it to is when I find found out what axolotl tanks were in Dune. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah well, I thought of well, that too. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> to find I mean, that the, like, to find that the witches oh. are being used really as axolotl tanks in a lot of ways. Yeah. And uh wow. It was it was dark and and all thanks to Duke Parrington. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. What a is he, what a creep. Is he really the Duke? Oh, come on. <laughs> but I mean, do we do we find out uh do we find out what's motivating him, I guess is what I'm saying. And not till I, the end when we find out he's the big bad. Well, yeah, I mean yeah. that's and because that's revealed in this book. I didn't want to give that away. Um but you know, he is the he is kind of the big bad and bigger than Ottolin himself. Yeah, and up till now we've been thinking that Otterlin's a big bad. No, it's not. It's a uh, Duke Parrington. Yeah, yeah, him and Vernon. Yeah, <laughs> his his lackey Vernon. Boy, I I when when I found out as you find out the history of a lead and like what Vernon did, you're like, I just want to kill this guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now were they they brother and sister or was he her uncle? uncle? He was an uncle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like she broke her foot and she, they left it broken. Like, like it's just total abuse. And then chained her up. I know. On on top of that, you know. Yeah. But, but one of the most exciting characters in that whole scenario has to be Caitlin Rampier. Um, because we we encounter her in book one. Uh-huh. And she is the she has it in for Selena. She tries to poison Selena, or she does. Uh, but being manipulated by Duke Parrington. And you really don't see the payoff of that until this book. And you see her get a little bit of redemption. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't I didn't hate her. <laughs> yeah. And you know something, you know, you know who got the most redemption, at least in my eyes, was was Astrin. Astrin Blackbeak. And how so? Well, I mean, we got her story. Right. You know, we we found out why she was the way she was. You know, she lived with that guy for and married him. And uh, her child was was stillborn. And that was very upsetting to her. Mm-hmm. And, and, and she left him and didn't know what had happened. She was very angry. Oh, yeah. But you know, she she actually kind of endeared herself to me when she she made that confession to Manon, and I think she also helped Manon understand her better. Oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And and I think her storyline, Astrin's storyline, was one of the best in the book. Really. At least, I, at least from the human, at least from understanding the you you understand the tragedy and how it shaped her, and I think that's I think you're right in that in that regard. Yeah, David, go ahead. Go ahead, David. What? Yeah, I just I mean I thought it was good. I just don't think it was like it seemed very small and it was and, and, and super backburner to me. I, I I don't know. Maybe I just like I thought it was a good a good thing. I just it just didn't. 
not that it didn't hit me. I just don't know that I would say it was like the most important like growth in the, in the no. Well, no, may, maybe not, but I, I just, you know, it just kind of changed my mind about things. I mean, you know, Manon is out and she's looking at the sunset and she's thinking and, you know, we find out she's not as evil as we thought she was. She's evil, you know, mm -hmm. but, you know, Aelin saves her from, from dying and she pays it back. Right. Right. You know, so I don't know, you know, I gotta, I gotta wonder more about, um, the witches and what the circumstances are. Are they, are, are they the way they are because of, uh, King Adderlin or, you know, because that Adderlin's entire purpose was to use them to fight. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're, they're definitely... I think initially when we begin to encounter Manon back in the last book, there was a point where it's like, okay, this is great. Let's get back to Aelin. But, I, but by this book, I'm far from feeling that way. Like, the story between them is interesting and... And I'm always happy to get back to their characters, but I always am happy to return because I think the story, again, are really kind of compelling. Yeah. And they're very complex. Oh, yeah. I'm, I mean, there's so, ma so many of these interactions in there that it... it uh, I'll tell you what, you, you don't snooze while you read this book. Because <laughs> uh, no. you're gonna miss you're gonna miss something. Yeah, and again, it goes to like how well she's crafted the story. Yeah. So. Now we got we got D Dorian. Yeah, who, he's the person that I hated to go back to because I didn't like what was happening to him. Yeah. But Talk I, about rough. <laughs> yeah, I felt so bad for this guy because he was, in my mind, he was really cool. You know, in in uh, in all the other books, and you know he was in line to be the king, and Kale said, "You know, you're the real king," and he told this to Adderlin. You know, you are not the king, and then wham, he gets hit with a Valg inside him, and it's it's just about right down to the edge of taking him over. Right. And that's really hard. It's really hard to watch. I would argue that it it had fully taken him over because he was at the point where he was enjoying what the Vogue was doing. Yeah, the Vogue was enjoying what he was making him do. Right. Well, yeah, like he the Vogue the Vogue was making him like, like the, they, I don't know that Dorian ever was really enjoying it. He was just helpless. Well, isn't there a part where they say the the Vogue let Dorian out for the feeding, so that when he's hurting people, so that uh, and it's it talks about how Dorian starts to enjoy the pain that he, that's being that he's being forced to inflict on people because oh, he's losing himself and yeah and uh, the, the it, next time it talks about it, it refers to it as like the feeding of pain. That's uh, that Dorian's grown to appreciate, hmm. but you might be right. I don't. 
that's not really him. I mean, it's like a twisted brainwashing right. yeah, kind of thing. Well, it's you, you got a picture, you know, the guy is in a cell in his own mind and he can't get out and and you know he's good, you know he's a good guy, you know that that um he wants to help people, he wants to do well, but he doesn't have any control over it. Oh yeah. Cuz he is he is locked in by demons. Oh yeah. Hmm. Yeah, which makes the which makes the end then when 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 Alan slips a ring on and he gets free all the more powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's his father, Adderland. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I was waiting. I, I just was waiting for the end of that guy to come along. <laughs> yeah. And and when it finally did, it was like I couldn't help but feel bad for him. Well, I know. I was just gonna say that. Like you, especially when you get this little bit of revelation through his dialogue, right? And you realize that he has been played and he has been, in some ways, as imprisoned as Dorian. And you just feel, you feel God awful for him. Doesn't excuse what he's done, but you feel God awful for him. And your empathy. Oh, it's just, almost. Go ahead. It's almost like when, when, when the demons leave him, it's almost like he's had amnesia. Yeah. Well, and he, yeah. Go ahead. I wouldn't say amnesia because he, he he's aware of what's going on, but he's fully out of control. It, I, what I thought was interesting was that when the, the demons left him, there's all these evil things that they've been fighting against with him. And then all of a sudden you find out that they're not necessarily fully evil things. Like when he was edging her, edging her on as a, as a little girl and causing her magic to, to swell up and uh, explode. Like he was attempting to kill himself and stop the, Oh yeah. The Vog, the Vog within him from doing more harm. Yeah. And so like, there there's that aspect of you think that he was just edging you know he he came across i mean granted the vog used him to kill the family immediately afterwards but um or him or him know. like him stopping magic because he was doing it to keep the vog from from yeah taking over right yeah from like, like just having and uh, you know, tons think of this guy's just an, this guy's just an a-hole he's blocking magic and alien can't do her stuff and suddenly you're like whoa maybe they shouldn't have unleashed this you know uh-huh because they're yeah. like all of a sudden they're like oh man they're gonna have so many people to convert now when that's, gotta, that was, that's what makes this storytelling so great you know you just don't expect that and suddenly you're like you want to hate this guy and justify me so, but then there's this other side that says, well, he was doing as much as he could in the circumstances he was in, and you just have empathy for him. I, I, I feel bad. Yeah. yeah. On the other Absolutely. hand, I'm glad he, uh, I'm glad he didn't wind up be also becoming like uh, a bad guy turned good. Right. Trope. I'm glad right. he died. He does die. Um, and he died, and, and and that I mean, we we talk about the glass castle scene. It's just a phenomenal, as you mentioned earlier, Jim, a phenomenal battle scene, ending with his death and the shattering of the castle. Um, mm -hmm. Of course, 
dastardly injuring Kale in the process. Yeah. But. Yeah, you bet. I'm I'm telling you that that's some good writing, some really good writing in there. Um, I, I feel like there's so much we could talk about in this book, like that so much happens. And like, so how do you cover it all? <laughs> well, it it is there. There is way a lot of things. Too much, too much, almost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but let's. Uh, so, what you, those places and things? I guess is next. What do you want to talk about, or do you want to talk about maybe a point set in the plot that are kind of sticking with you that you really want to talk about? Yeah, I don't know places and things. Uh, there's not not a lot there we didn't already know about. Uh, the amulet of Orinth, isn't that? Um, That's like the third key, right? Yeah. yeah, and that that was that was an object that kind of flew back and forth, and there was a fake one and a real one, and the real one was hidden away, and the fake one was passed around, and um, I don't right. know though. For me, the story wasn't about places and things; it was about people. Yeah. I mean, it mostly took place in Alder, uh, Adderland. Yeah. Yeah. So what did, well, and I guess we could talk a little bit about, um, um, oh, the town that they were working in. That would be, uh, Terrasin. No, that's Riftold. Terrasin. Terrasin? Yeah. Riftold. Oh, yeah, Riftold. The town. You know, the, the description of that place was very interesting. Um, it it kind of reflected the, the mood of the entire kingdom. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, you know, for sure. Yeah. Everybody was forced to look up at the glass castle, and and they saw this, and they saw how the people there were living and enjoying life so much. And it was, uh, barely a subsistence, uh, existence in Riftold. Right. Yeah. It was very like (laughs) trickle down, like, uh, evil. Yeah. In a way, you know, and dirty and smelly. Right. And just, an undesirable place to live. Probably the whole kingdom was. Right. Yeah. yeah you have a corrupt leaders and then the corruption just kind of, the forms change, but it just grows. Yeah. Down. Yeah. Down. yeah. yeah. But I suppose we could move on to favorite points. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, I still love like, Alan's apartment, you have that taking place in Rift Hole. That's obviously kind of a key point. Um, they just, you know, you have the sewers are kind of walking around. Um, there's just, there, there's a lot in Rift Hole that, that there's a lot of memorable, memorable parts. There's kind of a closure to Sam that happens, right? Also in Rift Hole. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But, yeah, we can go to favorite points of plot. Sure. Uh, David, do you have a favorite point? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, the whole book? No. Yeah. <laughs> the, the part between the front and the back cover. Uh, you got, got it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I I really 
there there are, are two big points of course number one is the, is the end when her and dorian clasp hands and mix their powers together and like of course it's like this big monumental thing but it was just really really well written and really cool and how even when even though they were like exuding all this power they were still very vulnerable and you know they finished doing their power and now they're falling out of the castle and it's neither of them are able to do anything to stop themselves right um i also liked how like following that uh rowan's like dorian's mat like his magic and her magic they all take they take a specific form and he's like dorian's magic can be whatever he wants right and and you have right. to be careful because that that'll pull and drain your power if you intermingle with it because it's so unchained uh, compared compared to them. So and the, the the other the other part that I that really sticks out to me um, was again another portion where her planning, Aelin's uh, a- planning, kind of like really came together and you didn't realize, and that was when they. Uh, confronted uh Arabin and he put the ring of power on her and she became his slave uh, <laughs> like, or so he yeah. thought yeah. yeah and how they explained like to him you know exactly what would you know how to do it and it was it was interesting for a bunch of reasons one because she faked him out and that was like you. I was like, oh no, she's like, this is gonna be the like, this is gonna lead in, in my head. I was like, this is gonna lead into the next book. Like, we're not gonna get this resolved, right? And then, of course, like, you know, five minutes later, it's resolved. But the on on top of on top of that, we had the fact that we learned that the Vog really were irredeemable. Like she, like they cut the ring off the guy's finger. And he still was under the, the control of the fog, like fighting back, right? Mm-hmm. Just, just barely. So it wasn't like once they were in, it wasn't like removing whatever was the band or whatever fixed the problem. So yeah, yeah, yeah true, true. But, I don't know. I think you know we talked about the rescue scene. We talked about the class castle scene. All of those pretty, pretty, pretty phenomenal. Uh, in in mm-hmm. their own right, um, any of the fight scenes always were 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 good. I, I think that, and this isn't necessarily a, a point of plot, but I just enjoyed the manipulations that Aelin went about. Uh, you know, you just talked about one, but even greater, the way that she kind of maneuvered people, um, and that was interesting. Jim was telling, talking earlier about his favorite parts. He was saying the description of uh, uh, Rowan coming out of the bathroom in just the robe. Yeah, and- yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, in yeah. fact, he decided he loved it so much, he's releasing a loot soundtrack to play Whoa. in the background as he walks out of the bathroom in a town. <laughs> yeah, only if you're playing the accordion. Uh, if David gets in the hurdy gurdy, we're good. We're good. Yeah. We're set. What a band. <laughs> you betcha. <laughs> <laughs> but, Jim, how about you? Favorite points of plot? I had a few. Uh, you know, I, I really like the way that we had all these plans made 
in order to blow this tower up so we could have magic restored to everything. And they had it all planned out and everything was just exactly right. And they went in and guess what? Adderland knew all about it. <laughs> it wasn't going to happen because he knew what was going, what was going down. So the best laid plans went to hell, uh, before the final battle. And then of course, uh, you know, um, Adian and Rowan thought they were going to go in and blow the place up and, uh, they could not get to the fuse because of those devil dogs, those hounds right. attack. Right. It, it looked like, oh, it's over. And now we, now we know what's going to happen in the next book because we know that everybody's going to get punished and we got to start over again. And then here comes Lorcan. And he was a real surprise to me. I I wasn't expecting him to show back up, right. you know. Uh, I I knew that Aelin was going to win in the end. Um, and I really liked the way that when Dorian came back to himself, uh, I thought he was going to be a lost character. I thought we were going to lose him. Right, right. You know, I was expecting Dorian to lose, and then Adian or um. Uh, hang on. I expected Adderlin to go to war with Tarasin or Turrison or what, yeah. however it's pronounced. And, uh, you know, and then he got in trouble and I felt sorry for the king. And it was like, wow, who was ever going to feel sorry for this guy? Um, you know, and the only other thing I wondered about you know, was he really responsible for his behavior? Was he possessed by Valg? I mean, um, and how did he get the way he was? Did I miss something in there somewhere? Are you talking about uh, Ottoman? I'm talking about, yeah, I'm talking about the king. Yeah, king of Ottoman. So yeah. that story does get developed f further down the road. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> I'll be looking forward to uh, reading that. Yep. Yep. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what quotes? Sure. All right, Jim. You have some quotes. Are you quote? Yeah. Yeah, I got one quote, and I because I thought it was kind of funny. Um, Aelin is taking. Nesrin and Adian to a rather disreputable tavern. Aelin took them to a truly disreputable tavern a few blocks away. With impressive swagger and menace, she kicked out a couple of thieves sitting at a table in the back. They took one look at her weapons, at that utterly wicked suit of hers, and decided... They liked having their organs inside their bodies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, brilliant narrative. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I love, yeah. Uh, so a uh, quote that I liked uh, was, sometimes there won't be a right choice, just the best of several bad options. <laughs> I, I look at that quote and I'm like, hey, we're starting school, you know? 
This is, yeah. There's not a right choice, just several bad options. You just got to pick Yeah, them. been been there, done that. <laughs> yeah. The other thing that I liked, and I liked the way this was written. Like, so Alan's going in to rescue Adrian, right? Uh, and she's in among the dancers, right? And they're going in, and and the line says this. Behind them, across the hall, the dancers shattered their roses on the floor. And Adian grinned at his queen as the entire world went to hell. I just, yeah. I just, I just, I just like the way that was written. Yep. So, um, <laughs> and like, here's another one. Uh, where will we go? I hear hell's particularly nice this time of year. <laughs> Been there, done that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, there's so many good lines. David, did did you have any quotes that stood out to you? I don't. I don't. I I don't know. I I never in a position to jot down <laughs> the notes or of like quotes as we go along since I've been listening. But uh, nah. yeah, I I agree that what you guys said was was all was all good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but we can move on to listener thoughts and oh, yeah. notes and stuff. And now these uh, write-ins don't necessarily have to do with uh, this book in particular, but uh, maybe some past stuff that we've touched on. Uh, we heard from Alexandra, and um, she wrote in, and this was in reference to The Expanse, which is a series we've covered in the past. She said, I, I previously listened to your Dune podcast, a huge Dune fan here. And was overjoyed when I saw that you were also doing The Expanse, which is my second favorite sci-fi series, Dune being the favorite, of course. Uh, Tiamat's Wrath is actually my favorite book in the series, in some parts because it reminds me of what I like about Dune, dealing with the deeper questions about society, politics, and so on. The main characters have developed so well, and all the secondary characters are also very well written. I, too, particularly like Teresa's story, but also uh, LV and Fayez's. I keep imagining how good all this is going to be in the TV series once they get there, somehow far down the line. <laughs> so, and then she yeah, says, I, I wish you'd hurry up and give us book nine already. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I know, podcast. right? That was supposed to come out this year, wasn't it? Oh, come on. It might still, it might still come out. Yeah. yeah. And she likes her true. ending. She likes her ending song, by the way. Oh, yeah, yeah. She did put that in. She, she liked the ending, ending song, so that's awesome. So thanks for, for writing in, Alexandra. That's uh, great to hear from you. Great to hear that you came over from the Dune Saga podcast, which is our original uh, outing in the podcast world, uh, specifically about the Dune uh, universe and its books. You know, and it has mm -hmm. to be difficult. I mean, people, like, when you do a Dune series, like, everyone's invested into the universe that tunes into the podcast. The type of series that we're doing here. We're reading books that kind of like either come across our trail and people recommend, but not everything's going to like gel with people like uh, maybe do. Right. Books. And so I think it makes it a bit more difficult for people to like at times to say, hey, I'm going to read this because I like this book. Well, if you just like the book and you aren't going to travel with us through all the books we're reading, then it's a little bit difficult, I think. But, yeah. Yeah. I like Jason Files wrote in and uh, he was writing in about Expeditionary Force, a book we reviewed the last time. And he said, I just finished listening to the audiobook. It was very good. It so, was. Yeah. So he liked it. So we yeah, might get back. We, know. we might get back to that series eventually. But. 
Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. For sure. Good old so, Skippy. We're coming down here to our closing thoughts on this book. Uh, I, I, I think my question, I, we threw it out last time. It doesn't work anymore is, would you recommend this to a new sci-fi or new fantasy reader? Sorry. Um, I would say, uh, where's this rank, uh, for you out of five? Um, anything in particular that stands out in this fantasy book that, uh, makes it more memorable than others? Or series, hmm. I should say. I could say at this point. Hmm. Yeah. I would I would have to say that this is probably the most intense uh fantasy book we have read so far. Agreed. Mm-hmm. I mean we've had we've had some some really good stuff that we've read. And um but but this is the most intense keeping you on the edge of your seat kind of stuff that I think, I think we've read so far. Right. I would agree. So what did you uh, rate it? I gave it a four out of five. Okay. Huh. Uh, I agree. It is the most intense. I hadn't thought of that, but thinking back, like, yeah, I think it is. I think it is. Uh, I'm going to give this book a 4.5 out of 5. Um, I really liked it. Some of the ways that I think it stands out more than other fantasy stuff that we've read so far is probably the interrelationship angles. Like, I think we've read fan- or science fiction with it in it, but as far as, like, fantasy goes this one aragon you know it it had it but it wasn't necessarily as deep or as scattered across as many people as as we have here yeah 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 Yeah. so so what did you what did did you rate it at david 4.5 out of 5 yeah so uh i'm gonna start with my rating uh i rate this a five out of five and and i rated a five out of five uh because of the intensity you said but i think what makes this a five out of five is the ability of sarah j boss to write the book the story in such a way that gets us to buy in what a character is doing not realizing is part of a much more complex higher plot that's revealed later on and the ability to make a person that we thought was the villain and make us have empathy toward them at the very end um, was just amazing. And I just, I just, uh, um, I, for all those things, like just the complexity of the relationships, the way you find out more about them, the depth of character, um, this is not just a, a, a quick fantasy book. It's not a it's not like a sort of Shannara book like the ones that we've read. It's it's there's just a depth to these characters that you just don't get in in a lot of books. Um, you know, fantasy aside, and the fantasy element is one of the reasons we're reading it. Uh, but the, the the level of complexity and depth just make this book so so good. Um, mm-hmm. 
that and when Rowan's coming out of the bathroom with a towel with Jim playing the lute. Absolutely <laughs> hand down a five. In fact, I would give it a six out of five if I could. Ooh. But no. Uh but that's uh but that's why I rated that. I think because uh, out of all the books, you come in here, it's it's definitely it's it's kind of like a climactic point, as you said, we could kind of step back from a book because in a sense, part one's done and we're now moving on. How are we going to deal with Duke Parrington, which is obviously set up in this group or Eowyn or a, you know, not Eowyn, but a Arawan uh, that you kind of set up in this book. And, but it's just, there's some beautiful setup and some beautiful characters are bad then redeem themselves. And it's just, this is a complexity of people. Like, People are not all good or all bad, and it just does a great job of showing us the complexity of people themselves. Well, you know, and it it starts out so simple, uh, you know, just just dead simple, and then it just starts this crescendo that goes through four books, and it just gets more and more and more intense as everything goes along. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so, for real. so 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 for me, that's why that's why for me this was a five, and not just like I don't know what I rated the book the last time, maybe a four, uh, but this was definitely this 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 was like the peak of writing that we've seen in Sarah J. Moss, and just the way it delivered, it sold me, sold me. So, mm. Yeah, I I I wanted to give it a five, and I'm just like I'm. There's a part of me that holds out on the five, just like ah. What if they get better? <laughs> and then I'm, I look back and I'm like, nah, this is so much better than that book. <laughs> yeah. Well, if I were to take all four of these first four books, which, which are almost like a series just by themselves without moving on yeah, uh, to a fifth part, I'd call it a five as far as a series is concerned. And I would recommend it the series thus far to someone who is looking to get into fantasy. I would, would, you, would you recommend it to your students, Jim? Yes, I would. All right. There you go. That's a pretty high recommendation. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, moving on here, uh, just a reminder to our listeners, there's no current poll, and we aren't looking like we're going to have any polls for voting on what books we're going to be doing uh, probably through December. Yep. And that's because we kind of have an agenda uh, between working on the Throne of Glass books. Um, we're also going to be doing some collaborations with ourselves <laughs> and the Dune Saga <laughs> podcast um, to kind of do some Dune stuff. There's there's three books in particular we're going to be looking at here over the next, uh, what, six, we're four months, I guess. Right. Um, and and some of it's a you know just to give you a, an advanced look that next month we're going to be reviewing the book Tales of Dune by uh, shoot is it Brian K Vaughn and, and Kevin J Anderson or is it Frank yeah, Herbert it's, it's Brian it's it's Brian Herbert and Kevin J Anderson I think. yeah short story collection yeah yeah um, so we're going to be looking at Tales of Dune next month and then we're going to be doing a re review of Dune uh, for the following sci fi and then. There's a new Dune book called Duke of Caladan that we will be reading for November. So just a, a look into the future if you're wondering 
you know, I had, I did have some questions this last month about what was going on with the poll. Um, and that's what's going on. So next right. month, look for Tales of Dune yep. by Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson. And, uh, yeah, we'd love to know what you think of Throne of Glass in general, of Queen of Shadows, or of any of the Dune stuff we're going to be looking forward to. And, of course, the easiest way you can do that is open up your email and send us your thoughts to theorbitalsword at gmail.com. Yes. There's yep. also something that we haven't had anyone do that I would it would be amazing if they did, and that's leave a voicemail. And how can they do that, Scott? One two six zero five seven seven chat. This one two six zero five seven seven chat two four two eight is what that is. By the way, they could also attach an audio file to the orbital sword at gmail.com and we can also play that the file. So they don't just have yeah. to call in. So uh, you can also find us on Twitter at, at Orbital Sword or join the conversation on Facebook, facebook.com slash the Orbital Sword, I believe, or is it just yep. Orbital Sword? It's Orbital yeah, Sword. Orbital. Orbital yeah, Sword. Orbital Sword. Yeah. Uh, so those are some great, great places that you can find us. Thank you to everyone who supports us on Patreon. It's uh, great to have you there. Absolutely. And I think that about brings us to the end here. So once again, for the Orbital Sword, I'm David Moulton. I'm Scott Herzog. And I'm Jim Arrowwood, and join us next time on board the Orbital Sword. Yeah. If I go to the sky, I will always see your smile. I will always see your smile. You're the angel. If I fall from the fire, I'll get caught with your love. I'll get caught with your love You're my angel I will never try To get cold inside Never get away Cause I will miss you I will never say I'm to die
Miss you.